All right. Now, it's the time to take this prayer sheet out because your, even your text is written on there, okay? The text for the sermon is on there. So, again, it's going to be Jeremiah 6.16 and 48.10, but it's even written out for you. So, you have it there, and this is something you can take home. And uh, So, now you know the sermon has at least five points. What you don't see there is the introduction. That's the first hour. Uh, the second hour... Uh, uh, believe me, we'll get into it here, but uh, I'm going to do something a little bit differently tonight. Instead of uh, reading the text, uh, we're going to have a word of prayer instead, and then I'll spend the first part of this message on introduction, and then we'll go to the sheet, okay? So let's have a word of prayer. Now, Father, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, for this week of meetings that's coming up, Lord. I pray for Brother Van Gelderen that you would impress upon his heart every word I need to hear personally, as well as your folks. Please prepare our hearts. I ask you, Lord, tonight to lay the groundwork in us, Lord, that we'll be willing to be receptive to you. And, Lord, I can't, I can't uh, really form all that needs to be said, but you can. And so, Lord, I pray that thy spirit would just give even greater understanding in each heart of those under the sound of my voice tonight of what we need for revival in our heart, our church, our country. And we would ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Mickey Mantle was the Yankee baseball star of yesteryear. He was in a stadium, and he was booed very loudly as the visiting ball player, and the booing was kind of elongated. It wasn't just the normal boo that they would give to a guy like that. They just did it a little bit more than usual, and a reporter after the game was asking him about it, and he made a very interesting statement. He said, well, you know, they only knocked the stars of the opposition. He says, when they quit booing me, I'm going to be concerned. It means he no longer has a real impact on the game. And you know, when the devil decides he doesn't really have to do much in our lives anymore, then that's when we need to be very concerned. Throughout the ministry... And by the way, the Bible told us this, this way it is. If you live God in Christ Jesus, you suffer persecution. But throughout the ministry, if you're in ministry, you also find out that you have accusations, you have lies, you have all kinds of stories that have half-truths in them. You say, what is a half-truth? Well, I could say that I saw Mr. Jones and Mrs. Smith sitting in a dark restaurant together, smiling at one another and being there off to the side, and I saw it in my own eyes, and that could be true. What I don't tell you is that also Mrs. Smith and Mr. Jones were there too. Okay, I told you a half-truth, but that half-truth leads you to believe something wrong. Now, I, I can remember uh, just, just a couple years ago, I'd come in and I'd ask my administrators, okay, what's the, false, what, what's the fake news today? And, and we'd just have a laugh about it and, and go on. But, uh, but that's been throughout all the ministries. As a matter of fact, uh, Lee Robertson 
said that for 42 years, goodness gracious, a guy comes into a church, about three or 400 people. He goes into thousands, missionaries around the world. But he says, there was never a time in my ministry where I was not opposed within the church. Now, you think about that. Think about that. There's always opposition. You know that. It's there. And, and uh, boy, I tell you what, if you, if you let that get you down, you're going to quit. You're going to quit in a hurry. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, though, gives us some instruction for that. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what, what are carnal weapons? Well, that's when you go, you gossip. You, you do those things that the world does, okay? You, you, you watch the media today. If you're a Christian... You're a bigot. doesn't matter if you're black or white. If you're a Christian and you stand up for the truth or the faith of the word of God, doesn't matter what color you are, you're a bigot. That's the media. Problem is they say it over and over and over and over so that hopefully the rest of the country, the rest of the world says, yeah, they're bigots with no proof. Okay, with no proof. And, and what I'm saying is that sometimes people will gossip and gossip and gossip about an individual or somebody else. And, and they'll keep that up. And so much will be said and so much will be made up that after a while you just kind of wonder what in the world is going on. And people will begin to believe, well, so many people are talking about it. It must be true. No. No. The devil is a very cunning worker that can deceive even God's people into thinking they're doing right things. And so he says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Now remember, God is holy. And bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now listen, as a pastor whether it's through counseling or through other means, you learn things about people. Things that are very private. Things that uh, if I told you, you'd say, kill them, okay? Or get that person away from here. Get this person out of here. And, and, and so I, I could say, well, okay, now I've got a weapon here. If they, they, if they oppose me, I can use this. And that would be a temptation. Tell you something about that person's past that they would just assume nobody else knows. It's under the blood. God's forgiven it. But boy, people will just attack that in a hurry if they would find out about it. But should I as a pastor do that, it would make it far more difficult for that person to repent and get right with God. If they are far away from the Lord or they're battling against the things of God. I, I was talking to, it may have been the deacons. I'm not sure who I was talking to, but I, I was talking to, I, I shared this with a group. I said, I can't think of anything that's been said about cancer that hasn't been said about me. Okay, so uh, those things will come out. They'll, they'll come like that. If you live by how people say things about you, you're going to be miserable. That you are just going to be miserable. Don't look for your joy in people. Look for your joy in the Lord. That means you're going to have to be in the Word. 
Okay? You find your joy in the Lord, you'll find that it far outweighs what anyone can say about you. Now, what I said, that's pretty well true of most preachers who will preach the Word of God. That's true of people who will live, have standards in their life, and proclaim the Word and, and witness to others and take stands. It'll be true about them too. You'll hear more of the negative about them than you'll ever hear about the positive. Okay, that is just the way it is. We're, this world's not our home. This is the devil's turf. And as I said this morning, the guy with perfect attendance at, at Central Baptist Church is the devil. He will be here every time. Some of you ladies say, yeah, I know, I married a son. Um, some folks, if they see something on Facebook, it's true. Oh, and they put that on Facebook four years ago, so it's got to be true. It's got to be true. And, and, and then, on the other hand, the preacher or the person that's being attacked can stand up and tell them the truth. And they're automatically going to say, well, they're lying. And have no reason or proof that they're lying. And I'm just trying to tell you, uh, taking a stand for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will cost you something. It'll cost you something among Christians, sometimes in your own home, but it will cost you something. Uh, as a preacher, and I'm not the only preacher this has happened to, it happens to others, well, he's got a temper. That's right, you see holes all over these walls, windows broken out, because that I just lost my temper and went crazy. Listen, I'm scared of my wife, let alone you. All right, so uh, I, I'm just saying that, that you have to understand that people say things without any proof. You say, oh, yeah, when did you see that? When did they do that? Oh, I've just heard. That's all you've got to go on, what you've just heard? Uh, do you realize they identified false witnesses at Jesus' trial? They've identified false witnesses uh, throughout the Bible at when people were brought forth. They identified false witnesses were brought forth. Be careful of listening to an evil report. Satan thrives on that, getting evil reports among God's people. He wants to do that. Now, let me, let me tell you something, just so that people know this. Don't go to the pastor about something or he'll address it from the pulpit. Okay. To be quite honest with you, if I hear it from three different sources, that they heard it from three different sources, okay, I will address it. I will definitely address it. Okay. Why? Because I'm trying to correct something that might divide the people. Even if it is against me or against anybody else, I, I will do that. Now, for some reason... Because they'll say, well, he's got a temper, or he'll do this, or he'll do that. It justifies not coming to the preacher about whatever it is they're bothered about. But for the preacher to preach on it is wrong. Now, why is it wrong for the preacher to obey the word and for them to disobey the word? I mean, why, 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 does, it, why does it go that way? Well, it's written in Hezekiah chapter 3 in verse 2. Which, if you know anything about the Bible, there's not Hezekiah chapter 3 in verse 2. Now, 
believe me, I'm not up here. I'm going to say a few more things, but I'm not up here to air out grievances, okay? I don't want to do that, okay? That's not out. I'm just trying to use these things as an example. So don't, don't think that this is a grievance or uh, poor Pastor Andy, okay? Listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Bible says that, and it is. It really is. Uh, now, so whatever, I mean, I've been over 40 years in ministry, full-time ministry, so I know that over 40 years now that you hear this, you hear that, things been been said. Look, what you have to do as a Christian, you've got to forgive it in your heart. You can't extend forgiveness until they come and repent. You know, the Lord already has forgiveness for us when we got saved. It's already in his heart. His forgiveness for me was 2,000 years ago, but it wasn't extended to me until I came in repentance and faith of him. You can't forgive somebody if they don't repent. But you can have it already in your heart. So if they do come, you're not hedging on it and upset with them and saying, no, I don't think so. Uh, This actually happened in here. I preached a sermon. And the sermon's from 1 John chapter 2 where... He says, they went out from us because they were not of us. And I said in that sermon, I says, now, sometimes people leave a church because they're not saved. And they'll go to a church that has no standards and everything else is crazy. And I said, it may be just that they're not saved. I says, now, I'm not saying anybody that's ever left our church is not saved. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes that's what it is. Somebody evidently got on the phone and called several people that had left our church, said, Pastor said, you're not saved today from the pulpit. And I found out of a couple of them that they had said that about, and so I called them up and told them, I says, I did not say that. But one of them, I said, listen, it's on our website. We've got a, back then, cassette tape. I says, we've got cassette tapes of it, and you can listen to it. And this was their answer. I don't care what's on the website or the tape. I believe my friends. You can't argue with that, okay? You can't argue that. You can't convince anybody from that point forward. You can't convince. I'm just saying, when the devil gets involved, don't expect for reason. Satan is not reasonable. And he will affect even God's people that they won't be reasonable. Okay, so understand that and and understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. No, we we wrestle against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are all divisions of devils. But realize they try to get in God's people and influence God's people to do these things. And so many times when you're fighting the devil, it does go against some of God's people because they don't even realize they're standing with the devil. You've got to get that in your heart, in your mind, and in your heart that, okay, those people that are saying all those bad things, that are doing all those bad things, are not my enemy. They're in Christ. Even unsaved people are not your enemy. They're souls for whom Christ died. The enemy is the devil and his cohorts. Now, people will 
slander. They'll sow discord. And, and you wonder, why in the world are you doing that? Why, why would you sow, sow slander? Why would you sow discord? I have no idea. I had one guy in my first church was talking to me, and he just said so-and-so this and so-and-so that. And then evidently he caught himself, and he said, Pastor, I don't like to talk about the guy, but it's fun. <laughs> and, 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 and he started laughing, and, and then he realized that he was doing wrong. But you know what? That is, a lot of times, it just gets in people. And then they expand on stories. Because after a while, they say, well, that's not so bad. So now they want more. It's kind of like a drug. You know, they start on a drug, and it satisfies for a while. Then they've got to get a stronger drug and more drugs. And, and so they've got to expand it. And sometimes that's the way it, it's addictive to the carnal, the old nature that we have. And so you have to always watch out for that. Now, I'm saying this again, that uh, there is no thrill or satisfaction if people who oppose you when you're standing for Christ, if they end up in problems and bad things happen to them, there's no thrill in that. Because it's only a victory for the devil. It's not a victory for you. The Bible lets us know that the more you serve him, the more you stand up for Jesus, the more you'll be attacked by the world. Jesus told us that. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 23, he says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Remember, he had false accusers. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Now remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things must they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. By the way, who persecuted Jesus? Wasn't it the religious people? His own countrymen? Even his own brothers that were born to Mary after Jesus was born to Mary. Even they gave him a hard time. If you look in John chapter 7, verse 7, he said, the world cannot hate you to his brothers, to those brothers. He says, the world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of its works that they are evil. Now, he used the plural. You know why he used the plural? Because he identified each sin when he preached. That's why the plural is used. You know, the Bible is a very accurate book. And so he used the plural. He identified sin as he preached, and the world did not like it. Even his own brothers did not like it. At times, even his own disciples would come and say, Lord, don't you know that you offended the Pharisees? And you know what? I'd much rather offend the Pharisees than to offend God. And sometimes that's the choice that comes down to it. Sometimes it's religious people. John 16, 33, these things have I, uh, Jesus says, have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. 
So strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ because the world's going to give you tribulation, but in Christ you have peace. He says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So understand, that's going to come, that's going to happen, those things come along in our daily life. Don't focus on the scars that are on your spirit. Rather, focus on the eternal reward in Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 10 through 12 says, Blessed, Jesus is again talking, and these are part of the Beatitudes. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. And so, Christian friend, look, if they do that, they're building your reward. Now, that might hurt them to know they're building your reward, but they're building your reward. But you don't do the same thing to them. They're using carnal weapons. Don't use carnal weapons against them. You see, God gives us a different way to approach this, and we're going to see that a little bit later in this message. But also, let me add this. I am a man with an old nature as well as a new nature, and I can fail. I can say the wrong thing. I can mess up. That's why our focus must always be on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And my focus is not to say, stand up for me. No, stand up for Jesus. I mean, I would beg and beseech and, 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 and just ask you to stand up for Jesus. You see, you and I are labors together with God. Not against God, with God. We're to be doing God's will, God's way, according to God's word and timing. So that tells you then to measure everything I say, not by what you hear from people, but what you get from the Word of God. Those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica, Acts 17 to 11, because they searched the Scriptures to see whether those things are so. Always search the Scriptures. If what they're saying from the pulpit is right, go with it. If it's wrong, don't go with it. You'll fall into the same trap. We look at the condition of our country today. It's the reason I've got the. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to air grievances I might have because I. I really. It doesn't matter. Whatever in forty years, it doesn't matter what's happened. Okay, it doesn't matter what's happened in forty years. Uh, of people saying things or whatever, that will continue as long as this world is here before Christ comes. I'll be passed off. If the next guy preaches the word, it'll happen to him. You take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, it will happen to you. This is not a grievance time, but rather it's for us to realize the impact of the devil upon the world about us. We want revival, but we can't expect 
people of the world to be saved. We can't expect people of the world to turn to the Lord with their heart if Christians will not walk with the Lord in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, this world about us is growing in debauchery and the destruction of the spirit of your children and loved ones is a very real threat. What's going on in the schools today? What's going on in entertainment today? What's going on in the political world today? There's an all-out attack on Christianity. That's why it's not just, by the way, fundamental Baptists, as some have tried to say, well, you know what? Those people... They're kids. They're not coming back to church anymore. You say, we're doing the wrong thing in church. No, they're doing that in the Catholic church. They're doing that in the Methodist church. They're doing that in the Presbyterian church. Uh, they're not going away. Why? Because you've got a humanistic teaching in the world. And by the way, that's another stand for a free will. Because those kids decide. The bad problem is, is that they're getting more from the world in, in the schoolhouse and the home, the best that we can do is say, well, look, just do your best. Be good. You can't do this. You can't do that. But you're not teaching them Scripture and getting them grounded in the Word. That's one of the reasons we have the Faith Bible Institute because from the time you're about, uh, I think it's ninth grade or tenth grade enough, they can be there and learn Bible. Uh, not every child is going to go off to a Christian college. But it doesn't hurt before they go to that Christian college to get them grounded in the Word of God even better than what you can do it yourself at home. And so I, I suggest that very strongly. And several of you have been in that. Now, having said all of that, okay, you can say, Amen. The introduction is over. Okay, so now let's look at the prayer sheet there. And I'm, I just gave you that because I want you to realize is that we do have a formidable enemy. We're on his turf in this world. And as God's people, we've got to stand on his word and be labors together. And if we bite and devour one another, Jesus gave it the doctrine, a house divided does not stand. But it's not just about keeping the house standing. It's about having an impact on souls in the world. That's what it's about. Okay, look at the text there on your prayer sheet. In Jeremiah 6, 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. There where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Okay, Jeremiah was a preacher of God, a man with the good hand of the Lord upon him. But nonetheless, when he preached, they said, we will not walk there. And he's preaching to God's people. We're not going to do that. We're not going to have those standards. We're not going to do those things. Isaiah chapter, excuse me, Jeremiah 48 and verse 10. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. And cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood. Now, the prayer sheet you have, I put out there because it is biblical praying. How God would have us to pray. Many times we'll say, bless Lord the revival meeting and have no idea what we mean by that. That's why we give you prayer sheets on Wednesday night. This prayer sheet's already been out for a couple Wednesdays, but 
we do that so that you can pray specifically and intelligently and maturely on how we ought to be praying. Number one, on your prayer sheet, pray that we will not be satisfied with doing what the world does, but that each Christian will be willing to go outside their comfort zone to call back the saved to righteousness and true holiness. You see, some people say, well, I'm not doing what the world is doing, but you're not doing anything for the Lord. Okay? That, that's lukewarmness. Get involved in the Lord's work. You know, it's interesting that Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24 says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, the Lord is holy, the Lord is righteous. The Bible says in Psalms 145, verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The way you measure anything, anything that comes into the church, whether it's contemporary, emerging, whether it's uh, removing standards, is ask yourself, is it holy? Is it righteous? Does it promote the flesh? Does it satisfy the flesh? Or does it work down deep in the spirit? More, time, more often than not, that's where your answer is. You'll realize no, this is to please my flesh and that alone. That's why you have even so-called, one, at one time, fundamental colleges coming out saying, well, we don't really think it's wrong to social drink. Just don't get drunk. Where did that start? That started with Satan, not the Christian college. That started with Satan. But he got a foot in the door. He got a foot in the door. Listen, uh, don't be... Don't be the kind that says, well, that'll never happen to me. It can happen to you. It can happen to you. By God's grace, it doesn't happen, but it can happen to you. Now, we continue there. Pray that our faith and local church will not be determined by what refined Christians believe it is, uh, is acceptable. Rather, that we'll go back to the old paths of what is holy and acceptable unto God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Hey, your, your bodies. Your bodies. The outward appearance should be holy and acceptable, but not just the outward. He says, and be not conformed to this world. Don't try to imitate it. But be transformed from the inside by the Spirit of God working through His Word. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is in the Word of God that ye may prove. 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 That which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our daily lives should be proving the holy and acceptable unto God. That's why I said this is biblical praying. And God is depending on us by our lives to prove it. Number two, pray that the sinful attitude of doing the work of God deceitfully by incorporating the ways of the world in our worship and then using the communistic principle, which it did start with Marx, the end justifies the means. I've even heard fundamental preachers say, well, as long as people are getting saved, no. 
a man was telling me that if I said his name and the preacher's name I'm, I'm, I'm talking about here, it's not important that you know those two names. But the man said, you know, I was in his church, and boy, they had this music ramped up. And he said, they sang, sang some of the old songs, but they sang all this new stuff, with the rock and roll in it and so forth. And he said, I asked him, I said, do you like that? He says, no, but it's what you've got to do to win them. You know what that is? That is slandering the very Holy Ghost of God. Because you're saying, he doesn't have the power that's greater than that beat of the world. He can't do it anymore. And if that's the case, then why are you worshiping God? If he no longer has the power. But he is God. And he does have the power. And payday is coming. But the end justifies the mean. That that has in. That communistic principle has infected local churches. It's what we've got to do to win them. That is false. We go on and says, pray that be it with family, friends, or the public in general, we will not keep quiet and say nothing so as to not offend anybody, but rather we'll have swords of blood that will attack the devil in order to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul, under the direction of the Holy Ghost, writes, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that not be laid to their charge. You know what he's talking about? Other Christians. When the Apostle took a stand, other Christians didn't stand with them that could have. And he says, I pray God that be not laid to their charge. What's that mean? It means it was a sin. It was a sin not to stand. He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. When you do God's will, God's way, the Lord always will stand with you, even though you're opposed. And he strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Who is called a lion besides the Lord as far as the lion of the tribe of Judah? There's a lion that seeks to devour you, and that's the devil. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, by the way, Satan wants no one to hear preaching that names and convicts of sin, that calls to repentance. And he will often use carnal Christians to try to hinder or prevent that kind of a preaching. Just like we said, John 7, 7, they were getting Jesus that way as well. But let's understand as well, I'm not just talking about preachers. When you witness to a lost soul, you are a preacher. When you try to edify a fellow Christian, you are a preacher. Now, there is the office of pastor and evangelist, but now we're talking about preaching. But the preaching is not your philosophy. It is the word of God. And you decide to leave things alone and not say anything about it. And it's one of your children and they want to repent. You've destroyed the foundations. And it'll be much harder for them to get right with the Lord. Number three, let's pray that not only... Uh, would we love the Lord 
but that we will also trust the Lord to do God's will, God's way, in God's timing. Pray that God's word will be a daily part of each of our lives and that we will see the word more important than our daily meals. You think about that. Some eat two, some eat three times a day, some eat more, okay? But what a shame to think that you stopped and you ate and you did not take time that day to be in God's Word and to pray. You see, it's a matter of schedule and priority. What priority does God have in your schedule? The Word of the Lord is strength unto us. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So don't, don't abandon the only light that you have in this world. Now we go on here that uh, as soon as I find my place we're gone. Pray that God's word will be a daily part of our lives and that we will see the word more important than our daily meals. I saw that. Okay, now. Ask God to make us an army of prayer warriors. Prayer. You know the reason we have a Monday night thing? You know the reason we have at, at 920 on Sunday morning, ladies' prayer, men's prayer? Realize that prayer is the key. The Bible, you read through it, it looks like the Lord is almost begging us to pray. I've had people say, well, look, I pray and I don't need to come to that. And I've actually had them say that. And I haven't done, I have not done this, but I've wanted to say, oh, so your family sits there at the house and you just start the first one, you go all the way around, each of you pray for the day services that morning before you come to church? I know what the answer is. Okay. They just don't want to go. And that's a shame. It's a shame that we will not pray for the good hand of the Lord in a day when prayer is a very important instrument of war. People think it's not that important, but why is it that when your loved one is in the hospital and things are iffy that you want everybody praying? But for the far weightier matters, we don't think it's important. Let's be prayer warriors who witness and are faithful and we seek to edify one another. And pray that each Christian will grow in the understanding of the Lord's command in John 13, 34, and 35 where he says, uh, A new commandment, that puts it on the level of the Ten Commandments. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. And how will they know that you're his disciples? If you have love one to another. Let's look at it further. Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Look. I had, in, in the last year or two, I've had people that did some things about 30 years ago that have called me up and said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Now, if I let that fester for 30 years, 
I'm going to tell them to go jump in the lake. But if I have to pray for it for 30 years, my heart needs to rejoice when they repent. Okay. And that is what obeying John 13, 34, and 35 is. Realize, if they're carnal, they're not going to do what they're supposed to do when carnality rules their Christian life. You've got to be the adult, so to speak, in the room. And stand. Ask God, number four, to help each of us to seek God's face, to know His person all the more. Ask God to help each of us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray for our understanding to be enlightened by the Holy Ghost so that we each know what is the hope of His calling. God called you, but He had a hope in it. What is the hope of His calling? In the riches of the glory of His inheritance. We're joint heirs, but it's His inheritance. Of His inheritance in the saints. Now, with this blessing... We'll also need to be humble to the glory of his praise, knowing what is the exceeding greatness of his power. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. But those things I just read in that number four, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, that's what he wants God to give to each of us that are saved. Give to you the spirit of wisdom. That is knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as to action. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. To know him all the more. Even Paul said in, in Philippians 3, 10, that I may know him. After he had suffered so much, he realized there's so much more to know. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. We just don't get it through preachers and books that we read. The Holy Ghost has to reveal things many times through the Word of God to us that we just don't get from anybody else. That we may know what is the hope of His calling and uh, what the riches of His glory, of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to to the working of his mighty power. Again, this is how a maturing, godly man or woman in Christ Jesus will pray. What I just read to you from Ephesians chapter 1 is actually a prayer. It was actually a prayer. And so, again, that's what we need to do. Number five, pray for Satan to be rebuked through this meeting. Pray the effects of the meeting will be until Jesus comes. So often you'll see revival meeting, boy, it's a great revival meeting. Three months later, you don't see those people anymore. They had a great emotion, but they didn't have a true commitment. Ask God for the evangelists to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and for each of us to ask God to search our hearts and know us uh, and show us what we need to best glorify Him. Pray that we'll be willing to repent and to change to whatever He shows us 
through the preaching of the word there as he preaches the word that the Holy Ghost will teach us and show us what he wants and pray for us. Also for the practical things such as the weather, the health, our people, the health of our people, the operations, the technical things, the lights and sound and so forth. Radio, the internet ministry will be effective through this meeting. Now, Jude, Jude verse 9 says this. Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation. See, Michael the archangel did not use carnal weapons against Satan. Did not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. Understand, Satan is the accuser of our brethren. When you're accusing brothers and sisters based on gossip and not actual fact, and you're not going to them, that's when you are most like Satan. He has control. Oh, my friend, get victory over that. Get victory over that. In Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, he says, Praying always and watching with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching there unto with all perseverance, don't quit, with all perseverance and supplication, strong, heartfelt praying. For whom? He says, for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me. That preacher said, people, I need you to pray for me. And I, I can say the same thing. I need you to pray for me that I'll have utterance. Which means that when I preach the word of God, that no one can be indifferent to the word of God. But he not only said that, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. Psalms 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. We are the visiting team in this world. This world is not our home. Okay, we're just passing through. The visiting team is booed. The visiting team is hated. So we need to look unto the coach. The God of the universe. And look at his word. And follow his playbook. Let's do God's will. God's way. And do it exactly by his word. We have put together a campaign that is nothing new. Free to thrive. That just has Christians doing what they're supposed to already be doing on a regular basis. And look, I've been doing this now again for almost 40 years in full-time ministry, designing campaigns. And I don't know if I've ever been to any place that I don't like campaigns. Oh, they're terrible. Why do we do those things? Because they teach you a doctrine and they also teach you to serve the Lord. And if that's evil in your sight, please be the first one to the altar to get it right with God. My job is to try to help you before God is to know His Word and to do what He says to do. That's my job. And I can tell you by experience, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So do God's will, God's way, and you'll have the joy of the Lord. 
Get to know him in his word. Get to know his person in his word. Get to know him. And it won't matter what people say. Young man, young lady are going to get married. A jealous boyfriend, a jealous girlfriend will say all kind of bad things about him. It doesn't matter. They're not focused on what they're saying. They're focused on one another. Get focused on Christ. Edify the brethren. Bring the lost to Christ. That's the way. I want to challenge you tonight. I've given you a prayer sheet. It's Bible praying. It's how the Bible instructs us to pray. I want to challenge you to come and just say, Lord, I will pray this way. I will pray this way. Don't come to me about anything. Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. If you have a need to come to me about something, that's fine, but take it to the Lord. Let's be a church that's filled with victory. I hope that you'll do it.